Good morning, church. How you doing? Wow. Um, you know, I told the first service that they smell really good. I think you guys smell a little bit better, I'll be honest with you. I don't know what you're doing. Showers, maybe. Keep it up. It's going great. Let's be honest. Sometimes church people smell. So thank you for smelling good. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, wanted to share something with you. You know, we have a, a value statement here. We want to make Burleson a better place to live for everyone. One of our ministries that really focuses on that is our Kids Beach Club ministry. How many of you guys involved in Kids Beach Club? Some of you? Okay. Um, so this is what we get to do is once a week on two different elementary schools, we get to spend an hour after school uh, for kids who volunteer to come teaching kids about Jesus on a public school campus. Uh, we get to give them Bibles. We get to pray for them. We get to minister to them. They have fun and games, and it's just a, it's a cool setting. So thank you for those who volunteer to help us do that. Uh, I was at a pastor's conference the first part of this week, and probably about 75% of those pastors said they can't do that on their school campuses. They can't have any kind of Jesus stuff going on. So we are privileged to be able to do that, and so we want to take advantage of that uh, and pray that that continues. But, that, of course, the focus is to reach kids uh, for Jesus. But something cool has happened in one of our elementary schools uh, because the, the leaders there have really made good connections with the teachers and administration there. In fact, some of the teachers were coming to Beach Club because the teachers recognized some of their troubled kids uh, that were going to Beach Club, and they wanted to observe. And they noticed that the kids that might be causing trouble in their class were very attentive at Beach Club. They were listening to the stories and listening to the leaders. So they wanted to kind of find out why. <laughs> What's the secret to this? But what happened is those teachers began to make relationship connection with those leaders to the point that the teachers were coming to the leaders and saying, hey, you know, I'm having difficulty in my marriage. I've, I've got a child that's giving me problems. They've started opening up their lives to these leaders and asking them to pray for them. The adults were coming to our adults and saying, hey, my life is messed up, and I, I, need you to, I just need you to pray for me. So it's, it, what God has done, he's taken that from just the kids to now it's opened up to the adults uh, on a school campus. So that's, that's just really cool that, that God is doing these kind of things. And I don't know about you, but I am so excited to see what God is doing here in our church. I mean, I love Sunday morning. I can't wait to get here on Sunday morning to see you guys and to get to worship the Father with you. You know, for three and a half years, some of us have been praying that God would just, just rain down his momentum or rain down his spirit on this place and use First Burleson like he never has before. And he's used this church in very powerful ways throughout its history. But we are just, we've just been praying for more. Just, God, please, 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 please. And we're starting to see evidence of that, that he is, he is beginning to pour out his spirit. He's beginning to, to shape us into what he wants us to be and use us to not just be a, a holy huddle, right? He wants us to change the world, and he's showing us how to do that here in our, in our local sphere. So thank you for, for praying that and being involved in that. And that's another reason behind this Broken Before Breakthrough series, because we're we are being challenged by the Word of God to be broken over our sin. We're all sinners. To be broken over those sin, those things that we still allow in our lives, even as Christ followers. To be broken over our attitudes, to be broken over our complacency, to be broken over we don't care about other people, to be broken over we don't care about those who are far from God. Just for God to really break our hearts and break our spirits. And through that experience of breakthrough, 
And I just want to, I'm just going to be straight up with you guys. One of the things I'm praying for is a breakthrough in our worship expression. I'm asking God to just fill his house with just a freedom among his people to worship. I appreciate our students as they lead us and they are expressive in worship. And I pray that, that we can kind of imitate their model that they set before us. But I'm just really praying that we would just sense this freedom uh, for people to come down front and just confess or celebrate or pray, that, that our prayer wall would be full of prayers for people just asking for prayer, uh, that, that our counseling center, which sees about 300 people a month now, would, would see like 900 people a month. I don't know if they want me to pray that, but that's my prayer, just, just to see that, that breakthrough and expression of worship. Hey, I get it. I grew up Baptist too. I know we're very restrictive of ourselves. And sometimes the, the thought of raising our hands in worship is, is intimidating. It's scary, right? Can we do that? Can we do this? Okay. Well, what if, I, what if they think I'm charismatic? Well, okay, that's fine. That's great. How many believe that you can raise your hand in church? Hey, good, you just did it. So there's your practice. You got it down, right? All right, yeah. But just that freedom of expression of just getting lost in the presence of God. Because I just want to remind us today that we are here for God. God, God, the creator, right? The alpha, the omega, the, the bread of life, the living water, the beginning and the end. God, the creator of all things, the creator of us, has invited us to his house to spend time with him and with one another. May we never forget this. This is not about entertaining you. This is not about what you want. This is not about what I want. This is about the fact that we get to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and set before the Father together. It is life-changing. That's why we want to reach those who are far from God, that they might encounter him the way we have and be changed by him. This is the most powerful hour of the week as we come together and worship God. My prayer is that the Father loves Sunday morning that this, these two hours were together, uh, that they are a blessing to him. And that's my prayer. And so that's part of the motivation behind this broken before breakthrough because I am praying for just a breakthrough of our church, that we would just put the walls down, the guards down, whatever you've put around yourself that won't allow you to just be in front of the Father, that that would just all go away. And maybe, you're, maybe you express yourself by standing still and, singing or eyes closed, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you do it, just that there's that freedom. Just to be reminded of, of why we're here and who we're here to be with. That connects us to this passage in First John, because John is, we're going to pick up where we left off last week, because I didn't really get to get into this section of the last part of chapter 3, verses 20 through 24, uh, because he's talking about the fact that sometimes our hearts condemn us. And sometimes we look at all the negative and all the bad and all the sin in our lives, and we use that to define us, and that we use that to determine our freedom. We use that to determine our future because we are really good at playing the past back and reminding ourselves of how bad we've messed up. So John is going to address that in the first part of our message this morning about whose opinion of you really matters. Can I give you a hint? It's not yours. Right? So look at 1 John chapter 3, uh, verse 20. Through 24. Uh, let me just read. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen. Uh, I'm reading from the NIV. 
1 John chapter 3, verse 20 through 24. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit that he gave us. So what John is saying is Christ's love overpowers our self-condemnation. And let's be honest, we are our own worst critics. We're really good at beating ourselves up. We're really good at limiting the spirit within us based on our performance. We're really good at putting God in a box based on what we can do. And that leads to self-condemnation. And we're good at playing those tapes of the past, reminding of our mistakes and our faults and when we blew it. And we all blew it. We've all made those mistakes. And, and sometimes it's Satan telling us that we're worthless and worthy. And you think God can use you? Don't forget what you did. Don't forget where you came from. You think God can, can use you and take you? You think God can make you happy? You think you can have joy in your life and peace? Remember what you did. Satan's good at that, but I think we're better at it. I think we trump Satan when it comes to saying those things to ourselves and condemning ourselves because of our past and acting like Jesus' death really didn't matter. Because, yeah, he died for other sins, but he, there's no way he could die for mine. So John says that we can be our own worst critics. And sometimes in order to overcome that, we just think, well, hey, if I can love people more, if I can do more churchy stuff, or, or if I can do a lot of things that help people, then maybe I'll convince others and maybe convince myself that I'm lovable. And so we do good actions, good works to try to fill a void in our life, but that even comes up empty. And John is saying your heart, your conscience when it starts to condemn you. And it's natural. It's of the natural person to feel insecure and to even doubt. To even doubt if God could really use us to advance his kingdom because of our past. And so John says, whenever you feel that way and you start to have those questions and doubts, then choose God's opinion of you, not yours. And I was just reminded of what Paul writes in Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in, in relational Christ Jesus, in relationship with Christ Jesus, one of the reasons we can rejoice is because there's no condemnation. No one can condemn you, and you shouldn't condemn you, because God does not condemn you. If you are in Christ, now that's the key, you have to be in Christ, otherwise you will be condemned for your sin, but in Christ, we are set free. And I just think we forget this. I think we let the weight of the world and what other people say, and sometimes what our own mind says, just limit us from living according to God's word. And the truth is, if you live in self-condemnation, you will never actually live. But John says, if you accept and understand this love of Christ, then your heart does not condemn you, and then you can live in freedom, and you can ask anything you want, and he will grant it. Now, understand, this is not what you want, because <laughs> I want a Maserati, but I have a GMC pickup right? But that's what he's saying. When your heart is connected to God, what you pray, what you desire will be what he desires for you. So we are speaking the same language. We are one with God. And so what we are praying is actually his will for us 
and his desire. And he will grant that because we keep his commandments and that pleases him. Jesus said, love me by keeping my commandments. Right? This is how we, we live in obedience, by keeping God's commandments. Not that we don't mess up. John dealt with that. You're going to mess up. But let that be your desire to live according to God's commands, live in obedience to him. When you mess up, confess and repent of it and go on. Don't hold it. Don't carry it with you. Let go of the luggage. Let go of it. It's in the past. Jesus died to kill it. So it has no power over you, but now live according to this. And God is pleased, and when God is pleased, he will give us what he asks. And then he says this is his command. Believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That's the first step. You're not going to receive any of this until you do that. And this is more than a belief that he exists. It's a, it's a trust. It's a faith. It's a giving my life to Jesus. So the first command is to believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Our faith in Jesus, not the church. The church can't save you. Not the pastor. The pastor can't save you. Not your life group leader. Life group leader can't save you. Faith in Christ alone. Not your works, not your abilities. Faith in Christ alone. That should be a song. In Christ alone. Somebody write that, would you? The second thing is to love one another. Now, again, John's very clear. We are not saved from our sin. We are not rescued from our sin by loving each other. In other words, we can't earn this. We can't do enough good things to earn God's love. But because we are children of God and that's who we are, because God loves us, then we can love one another. So it's out of that understanding of our new identity that allows us to love each other the way God loves us. Right? So don't get that backwards to think, well, I can earn God's love. You can't do it. You can't do enough good things. You can't be gooder enough to earn it. Right? That was improper English, by the way, just for a point. I'm making a point here. I think he don't talk so good. Love one another. So if you love Jesus, one of the evidence that you love Jesus is you will love who he loves. If you truly love Jesus, you're going to love who he loves. And guess who Jesus loves? Jesus loves everybody, right? So we will love. We will love one another. That's the evidence. And then the Spirit of God, we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hope you understand this. The minute that you give your life to Jesus Christ in faith and trust, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, died and rose again. The minute that you confess that to be truth and embrace that with your life, God puts his Holy Spirit within you. So if you're a Christ follower, the Spirit of God lives within you. The Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit now. But there's a difference in being filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, being led by the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit, but you have to choose to allow him to lead you. That's his goal. That's his role. But you have to listen to him and follow him. And that's the third thing. The third command is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we give our lives to Christ, which leads us to love others the way Christ loves. Because let's be honest, it's hard to be prideful at the foot of the cross. That's why this starts with Jesus. And acknowledging and recognizing what he's done. When you start with Jesus, the natural response is to love. You can't be prideful and arrogant at the foot of the cross. When you're staring at what Jesus did for you, you can't be judgmental towards others and hold them in a different standard than God held you. So Christ lives in us by the spirit that he gave us, and so there should be plenty of evidence that the spirit of God lives in you. Before you actually open your mouth to say it, 
It should be evidenced by the way that you live that the Spirit of God lives within you. And so with that context, he goes into the fourth chapter, verse 1. So the Spirit of God lives in you if you're a Christ follower. And then he goes, look at verse 1, chapter 4. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and now is already in the world. So you've heard people say there are two types of people in the world, right? Well, John is saying there are two types of spirits in the world. Spirit of truth and the spirit of lies. Those are the options. Spirit of truth, the spirit of God, and the spirit of lies. So that's the realm in which we deal. And it's interesting that John kind of changes his language from talking about antichrist and false prophets, people, to now he's talking about spirits. Why? Because the driving force behind these antichrists, behind these false teachers, behind this false doctrine, the driving force is evil spirits. Evil spirits trying to lead us astray from the truth. I hope you realize this today. Whether you're a believer or not, you're in a spiritual battle for your soul. God made us three-dimensional, body, mind, and spirit. We live in the spiritual. Everything we do has spiritual influence, spiritual connection. That's why when I encourage people to go to counseling, and I'm grateful for our counseling center in our church, First of all, I encourage them to go to Christian counselors and then good Christian counselors. <laughs> Just because they're Christian doesn't make them good. But make sure you go to a good Christian counselor, someone who's going to deal with the spiritual ramifications of what's going on in your life because that is an impact. You can't ignore that part of dealing with life. You can't ignore that part of who you are. We are made to be spiritual beings. We live in a spiritual realm. We don't see it. Don't always feel it, but it's there. We are in a spiritual battle. That's what Paul said, put on the full, ar- full armor of God, right? Because we are fighting in this battle. And obviously the Bible wasn't available at the time that John is writing this letter. Not everyone had a copy of the Bible like we can have. And so they relied on oral communication to share the truths. Well, you can imagine if, if that were the case and somebody could come in and say anything they wanted. And if they spoke with authority and looked like they were an authority, people would believe them. And so it was easy to lead the church astray. We experienced this in Africa when we were there this past year going around seeing these pastors that had no Bible. If they had one Bible, they had to share it with ten other tribes. So basically what they were doing, they were think, telling people what they thought or what they'd heard or what they, as they read the Bible, what they thought the Bible said. Well intended, wanted to do the right thing, but you can imagine how that could open itself up for error and false teaching. Well, here are people that are directly teaching lies, motivated by evil spirits, and the danger was the church is going to be led astray. So John is saying to us, how do we handle these people? How do we handle these evil spirits? Well, first of all, we love the people that oppose the church. We love the people that oppose our faith. But we don't believe them. We love them because... Jesus tells us to, to love our enemies, 
right? And many of these are enemies against our faith, enemies against Christianity, enemies against the church, to bless those who persecute us. So this is how we respond to them, but we don't fall victim to them. We don't, we're not deceived by them. And so he said, here's the test. In order to keep from being deceived by false teachings, false teachers, by these evil spirits, here's the first test, Jesus. What do they say about Jesus? What is their belief about Jesus? In particular, the incarnation. The spirit of truth will always promote Jesus. And specifically, that Jesus is God. The, the doctrine of God being fully God and fully man, Jesus on the earth, fully God, fully man. We use that word, the incarnation. We celebrate that at Christmas, that God left heaven and came to earth. Jesus was both God and man. Now, try to explain that. That's tough. Understand it fully. Probably not, but embrace it as truth. It takes faith, but Jesus was very clear. He is God, not just a man that God put favor on. He is God. Jesus is God. So we believe in Christ, in Christ alone for the salvation of our life. And so he, John says this is the key. A true spirit acknowledges the incarnation. A false spirit denies the incarnation. A false teaching would say, well, Jesus was a good man. He, he led a movement like Gandhi. He was wise like Confucius. He was a, he was a prophet like Muhammad. Right? So Many false religions have an idea about Jesus. They accept that he existed, but they have a different explanation for who he was. And John says, when you hear those, you know that this is false teaching. The true spirit says Jesus is God, and he is the only one who has given his life for us. This is how you know the truth. So the doctrine of Jesus being fully God and fully human can never be compromised. There's no gray area here. There's no if, and, or and, buts to this. This is the belief that we have in the truth of Jesus. So John is saying, if they talk the talk, do they walk the walk, right? Does their life reflect the fact that they believe this about Jesus? John would warn us today, be careful when people come up and say to you, well, God told me. Yes, God speaks to us and God tells us things. Yes, no doubt. But if what God said to a person contradicts what he says in his word, it's a lie. And it's from an evil spirit. So somebody comes up to you and says, hey, God told me to tell you this. Be careful. Now, he does. But you need to make sure their doctrine matches the doctrine of Scripture. Do they believe Jesus is the divine word of God? Do they believe Jesus is fully divine and fully human? Do they believe that Jesus is the sole source for eternal life? These are questions you can ask. Somebody comes and knocks on your door. You can see their bicycles on the sidewalk. And they say to you, we want to tell you about our church. We want to tell you about our beliefs. We have a little magazine for you. You can cut through all that stuff and say, well, tell me what you believe about Jesus. Who is Jesus to you? If they say anything other than he is the son of God who died on the cross, three days later God raised him from the dead, you can say, hey, God bless you. Here's some lemonade. I'll pray for you. Or you can tell them about the truth. Right? But they're all around us. They're on our campuses. They're college campus, work, neighborhoods. They may be, even be in your house. And John says, here's the truth. Look at verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. 
because no one who is the, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore, speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So here's John's defense, all right? The first thing you can do to discern a false spirit is to ask about Jesus. What do they believe about Jesus? The second one is the fact that the Holy Spirit lives within you. The Holy Spirit in you will recognize the Holy Spirit in others. In other words, when you hear someone teaching or preaching or talking to you, there should be a connection that you feel spiritually. The Spirit in you will connect to the Spirit in the teacher if it is the Spirit of God. If you get that sense that this is not right, that is the Holy Spirit who's one of his jobs is to help you discern evil spirits, and you need to listen. Right? So, again... It's the Holy Spirit speaking to us that this just isn't right. This doesn't seem right. There will be harmony between your spirit and the spirit of the speaker or teacher or whoever's talking to you if this is of God. If not, you'll, you'll get this sense of the Holy Spirit, a gut feeling, whatever you want to call it, but the Holy Spirit speaking to your spirit, this is not right. Because Jesus said, my sheep know me. They know my voice. So we can rest assured. We don't have to be afraid, John says, that these evil spirits exist. Because if it's a true spirit, you'll recognize it. If it's not, you'll recognize it because of the Holy Spirit. But there are two dangers when it comes to considering these evil spirits or Satan himself. One is that we just blow it off like, like they don't exist or they're no big deal. That's a danger because they are. They do exist. Demons do exist. Demons do possess people. The other is an unhealthy obsession with this evil. I was reminded of this when I was uh, in junior high. <clears throat> I went to a, a party of friends who didn't know the family real well. but So we're sitting around. There's a bunch of us, I don't know, 10, 12, 15. And so they say, hey, we're going to have a seance. Remember, that? Remember those? I don't know if they do it anymore. Um, and so we sit around in a circle and we crossed our legs and they lit candles. And somebody said some weird stuff. We invoked the spirit of whatever, whatever. And we're all supposed to take two fingers. And there was a person laying here in, in the middle of the circle. They were alive by the way. So we're supposed to take two fingers and put them under and we're to chant together, light as a feather, stiff as a board. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Light as a feather. I still remember it. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. And as we said that, the body raises up and we levitate that body just on our two fingers. Man, when I, I freaked out. <laughs> I was a believer by then and, and I just, I had to get out of the circle. And then they brought out the Ouija board. <laughs> Girlfriend, I was out. I was like, no, 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 this cannot be right. I mean, even in junior high, I just had that sense, this is not, not good. I don't need to be a part of this. Same thing Rob and I experienced in India five or six years ago. We were there, and we went into this town. We were looking for stuff for a missionary, but it was, it was dark. I mean, there were, it was heavy Muslim area. Islam was, you saw the temples, you saw the idols, you saw the burqas with just the eye, you know, you could just see the eyeballs walking around. It walls, it was narrow streets and we're walking through and there's a guy at the intersection of one of these streets and he's got he doesn't have a shirt on he's got a skirt on he's got this giant whip like a bull whip but that sucker's about that big around <clears throat> and his wife is there and she's playing this drum and the kid's there with a bucket and this dude is taking that whip and he's just whipping around the air and then it's coming back and smacking him in the back 
and it's frayed on the end. It may have some rocks in it or something. This dude's bleeding. I mean, he's just, he's just beating himself silly. And he's chanting all this stuff and saying all this stuff. And the wife was playing the drum. She wasn't very good, but she was still playing. And the kid had a bucket of people giving him money. So he's, he's raising money. He's beating the, the, the spirits out of him. And it was, it was freaky. And both of us felt this just heaviness. Just like, this is a dark place. Well, that was the Holy Spirit speaking to us like, okay, you need to be on your guard. You ever had experienced something like that? You ever experienced just walking in something and go, there's a darkness here. That's the Holy Spirit acknowledging that. Now, you don't have to be afraid of it, but, I mean, you have to hang around in it either, <laughs> right? And so this is what John's saying. The Holy Spirit will give us that discernment because there's no fear. There's no fear in Christ because we are protected. And, and, and demons do possess people. We, we know three things about demons. They possess pigs. Remember the story? They possess sound systems. Amen from the back. And they possess people. But what John's saying, if we are in Christ, you cannot be possessed by evil spirits. You have the Holy Spirit of God within you. Now, you can follow them and you can listen to them, but they can never inhabit you. You are saved and protected. And that's why John says you are overcomers. And the world here means a place of unbelief. And, and John, it, every time he writes this idea of being an overcomer, except for one where he calls Jesus as the overcomer because of Jesus we're overcomers, but every time he writes about being an overcomer in his other writings, this is a command to the believer to live as an overcomer. In other words, what he's saying is the darkness exists. It's a reality. Acknowledge that. Know that it's true. Evil spirits are out there, but you don't have to be afraid. Act like an overcomer. Our job as overcomers is the light is to push back the darkness. That's what we're called to do as a church. That's how we're going to make Burleson a better place because there, are, there is darkness in Burleson, Texas. And there are people living in the darkness far from God. But we are the light. Jesus says, you are the light now. I'm going to the Father. You are the light. Your job is to get rid of the darkness. Push it back. Don't be afraid. Get on school campuses and tell people about Jesus. I don't care what you're restricted to do at work, what you can and cannot have. You can still pray for folks and tell them about Jesus. On your college campus, you can still stand up and proclaim the truth about who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. And those in darkness have not believed. And our battle is not against them, Paul said. Our battle is against these evil forces. And not even the gates of hell can stop us. That's the church, baby. No fear in Jesus. No condemnation in Jesus. Darkness has no power over us. We can go into the deepest, darkest places of India and light them up with Jesus Christ. Amen? Come on, baby. Those are, that's fighting words, right? Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but we are in a battle. You are in a spiritual battle today, and some of you are losing. Because you do not have the Spirit of God. And this is the evidence that we have love for God and we have love for each other. God did not call First Baptist Burleson to be a mamby pansy church. Come on. We have nothing to fear. 
that person across the street that needs you to tell them about Jesus, you don't have to be afraid. Stand up on your school campus, let people know you're a believer, you don't have to be afraid. At work, to pray for somebody at lunch, right there in the lunchroom where everybody can see, you don't have to be afraid. I don't want to live in fear. Oh, man. Ah, so much more. Um, see, I get, get this. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to stop right there. I'll pick it up next week. We need like two hour church services. <laughs> yeah, I got a roast in the oven, so I got to get home. Um, that's good. Let me just, I'll just close. Can I have the scuba diver picture? One of the things on my bucket list, I want to learn how to scuba dive. I don't know how, but I, I, I've studied a little bit and read about it a little bit. And, you, you know, you can become very disoriented under the water, scuba diving. You, can become, you don't know which way is up, which way is down, right? And so one of the things they instruct you to do is when you get disoriented, follow the bubbles. The bubbles are always going to rise to the top. The bubbles are always going to go upward. So when you don't know which way to go, follow the bubbles. They'll lead you to the top. This is the idea that John is giving to us. When you get disoriented by what you hear and what people believe and what people are saying and what you see on television and what's coming out of the church, follow the bubbles. <laughs> the bubbles, that's the word of God and the truth of who Jesus is. And, and what we preach is the truth of Jesus Christ comes right out of this book, right? So you're going to get disoriented. Right? You're going to hear all kinds of messages, all kinds of ideologies about God and about the world. Follow the bubbles. Know the word. Hide it in your heart. Memorize it. Believe it. Follow it. It will never leave you astray. The spirit of truth is always true. The spirit of lies are always lies. Right? So don't get sucked into believing lies. We are people of truth. Jesus said this. I am the way, the what? the truth. Truth is a person. Truth is Jesus. If you know Jesus, you know the truth, and the truth will never lead you astray. So here's the challenge I have. Just all this stuff you're hearing, check it against the Word of God. What you hear me preach, check it against the Word of God. When you hear the life group teacher teach, check it against the, against the, the Word of God. If it's anything contrary to what God says in His Word, it's a lie. If somebody comes to you and says, hey, God told me this, and it doesn't match up with Scripture, it's a lie. I don't believe it. Let's pray. God, thank you for giving us truth. In a world that's filled with so many lies. Man, God, there's so many lies. And I pray right now if there's anyone here today that's just believed a lie, been living a lie, that today that the Holy Spirit would just, just crush their heart or crush their mind, crush their belief, crush what they put their security in that's not of you, God. If there's someone here today living in darkness, they've never accepted Jesus Christ to be the leader and forgiver of their life and accepted him as truth, that today would be the day that they, they do that or at least begin to ask questions about it. And Father, I pray that you would just fill the front here with people who are seeking you, people who are coming to pray, people who need answers, people who are messed up, and, and need some encouragement. They need some help and some guidance. 
God, people maybe here that have believed a lie or they know someone very close to them that has believed a lie and living a lie and they just want to come and lift that name up to you knowing that you care for that person as well. God, I just pray for a freedom. Just break us of any inhibitors that would keep us from just being free and open and honest before you today. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would just rain down on this room for these next few minutes and you would help us to experience and understand this new life that Christ offers and that we would respond. In Jesus' name.